Welcome to the Well-Seasoned Librarian Podcast. This is Dean Jones, the Well-Seasoned Librarian. Today is Season 4, Episode 15 of the program, and we're having our guest on here today, Julia Helena Hedas, who has written the books Witchcraft Cocktails and formerly Moon Magic Mixology, two great books on how to create potions and uh, great drinks in the home and have some fun and some insight into mythology and magic as well. Um, She's a great guest. I really enjoy getting a chance to talk to her. She is um, a former bartender and um, a certified crystal healer, shaman, Reiki practitioner. Um, I had a great time talking to Julia, wonderful guest. I look forward to having her back on the program, and I will be having her back in the coming week for our Winter Solstice panel with other authors as well, which we'll be mentioning at the end of the program. So without further ado, we're going to go right to our conversation with Julia Helena Hadas author of Witchcraft Cocktails and Moon Magic Mixology. And onward we go. Welcome to the Well Seasoned Librarian Podcast. This is Dean Jones, and today I'm very honored to have on our program a special guest, Julia Hadas, who has written the book Witchcraft Cocktails, among others. Julia, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I was going to ask you, um, how does it feel to have the new book out and um, what, what kind of uh, feedback have you gotten so far from it? Yeah, it's been really exciting. So my second, my first book, obviously, Witchcraft Cocktails. My second book is Moon Magic Mixology. And yes. it was definitely, you know, this was in the middle of the first book came out during the pandemic, but I was able to work on it before the pandemic happened. And the second one, was working on it during the pandemic and so it was a really tough you know because you don't have people to taste test and being in California you know going out and getting supplies and being safe and all of that but um so it feels good that it's finally out there and I loved you know focusing on libations and recipes that are associated with the moon and so it's a lot of fun to imbue you know the lunar cycles with cocktails so it's been great. I've talked to a lot of people who've written books on uh, cookbooks on making um, cocktails and not everybody who works with writing books like that has a background in it. You however, are the real deal. You worked as a craft cocktail bartender, a manager and worked at a distillery. Tell me about your bartending training experience. Yeah, I, I have the full load. You know, one thing I have to say is a lot of times people struggle with trying to figure out their path in life. And then you finally arrive there and everything combines in this really weird way that you never expected, you know? So when I was younger, I wanted to be an author, but I wanted to be a fantasy author. And then I got into witchcraft and worked at a metaphysical store and, you know, got energy, um, healing certified and all that stuff. And then I started, you know, on a whim, went to um, a little bartending school, very informal, more of like dive bar, bartending colored water, but instantly fell in love. It was like a little group on offering thing and jumped into the craft cocktail industry in the Bay Area because we have so many, you know, luscious ingredients, fresh ingredients, all these different herbs and fruits and farmers markets. And so, you know, instantly joining in that scene in San Francisco, you know, wanting to combine the witchcraft with the craft cocktail. And so I was really motivated to move up in that industry. And 
I think those of us who work in, you know, cities like the Bay Area know that you have to work multiple jobs at once to make rent. <laughs> I yes, absolutely. As a bartender, working at a witchcraft shop, and then also working at a distillery, you know, all at once. Um, I actually worked for Hanger One Vodka for about a year and a half, and you know, it was a lot of fun getting that really intimate experience that a lot of people don't, even as a bartender, you know, um, you don't get that experience working at a um, distillery. So it was a lot of fun to do that and get that intimate knowledge of the spirits industry and how everything was made, being part of the bartenders guild. And, you know, I worked my way up to being a manager and quickly learned that um, management in a restaurant industry is very different than bartending. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> quickly went back to the bartending part of it. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like I have a really intimate knowledge of the spirits industry. And I'm always trying to elevate knowledge, too, because it's really in the roots of the spirits industry back to, you know, ancient times, the roots of alcohol that witchcraft and alcohol intermingle in a lot of ways so I love having that background knowledge so I've been by um the hangar one uh, facility in Alameda that's a pretty uh, nifty um facility uh what was that like working there oh so one thing is the view is gorgeous because you're right you know in Alameda you know by um the water and so you look over and see San Francisco and that giant Salesforce tower <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but lots of beautiful sunsets, you know, with the bridges in the background. Um, and it's definitely, you know, because those were, you know, hangers from, um, you know, World War II and, and stuff like that. And so there's so much like history and ancient feeling, you know, with the military bases out there. Um, so it's magical in that way. It's also nice because I worked for one of the few female distilleries in the industry, <coughs> Shoemaker, who's recently opened her own distillery um, in New Mexico called Alter Spirits. So oh, nice. it's kind of, I, yeah, I loved the, you know, atmosphere <coughs> being, you know, working in something that's a little different, um, you know, in that kind of whole spooky vibe of the hangar and everything. So it was pretty great. Yeah, for those who don't are not in the Bay Area, the Alameda location is right near like an estuary and looking over the ocean across the uh, San Francisco city skyline. So it's a really beautiful place to kind of look at the city. Um, yeah, it's gorgeous. Now, what did you like about being a bartender? What, what um, kind of engaged you in it, made you enjoy it? You know, I'm someone who cannot focus on one thing at a time. <laughs> me either, me either. <laughs> so that's a I love about bartending is it just pleased my mind so much because it's quick, quick thinking your feet and you're doing multiple things at once. So it was so pleasing to my brain to just keep moving. Um, you know, I, things that I'm only doing one thing at a time, I, I get really tired. So it was great for my brain. I loved the story behind bartending um, because obviously now with the witchcraft, you know, background, I can get even deeper in the story of Tales, but even more recent stories as far as like you know the history of San Francisco with all of its bars there you know when was the first cocktail made uh, the stories of each cocktail was put together and got to be the place where it's at it's just an ever evolving story and so that's one thing that I really liked with bartending immediately beyond the multitasking how quickly it was paced the money is great too <laughs> 
um, but also the stories of each drink. And when you go to the witchcraft side of it, um, even further back than just the last few hundred years, but you know, even things like shrubs, bitters, infusions, alcohol spirits themselves and how they're made, beer, wine, distillation, all of that stuff comes from ancient spiritual practices. You know, that's alcohol was in its own name, spiritual to a lot of, you know, ancient traditions and groups of people. So it's just the story of how the modern day cocktail comes to be. And then you combine a drink with the flavor and the different meanings of each ingredient. And you just, it's magical all over. You know, you really get a unique expression when you're making your own cocktail or a witchy craft cocktail. And then you've got so many layers of meaning and energy behind it. I'm always really grateful for bartenders who can make really great drinks. And I love it when I go to a bar and a bartender can say, hey, do you want to try this or that? And it's always so fun. Now, on the flip side of that, I've been to a lot of conventions where people who mean well make uh, stuff out of uh, different substances, usually 80% blue curacao, and uh, make these drinks like a Klingon ale or something like that at a Star Trek convention. And usually they're pretty nasty. They taste like NyQuil or something like that. Um, how, how did you have fun exploring the different types of liqueurs and, uh, and tinctures and things like that used in uh, like bitters and things like that used in bartending? Yeah. So first I have to say the guests that will let me custom make something are my favorite. So I'll have to bartend for you one day. Absolutely. Just, you know, I can, someone can tell me what kind of drinks they like, what kind of flavors or what energy they're looking for. And I can put something together that's just totally unique for that moment. But as far as I think one thing is, I, I will say I am a little bit of like, you know, an alcohol snob in the sense of, you know, being in the Bay Area, the craft cocktail industry oh, yeah. there and, and also working for Hanger One, everything, you know, super fresh, organic, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, Blue Curacao does have its its place, but when it's super heavy, you know, yeah. I'm really yeah. about the organic, fresh, you know, ingredients as I can. And people are gonna do what they can afford. You know, everything's magical in its own way. But being from the Bay Area, not industry, I, I totally get what you're saying. When Certified crystal healer, Blue Lotus and Blue Fire Reiki practitioner. Is that correct? Yeah, that's actually from the Bay Area as well, from um, Storm Fairy Wolf's line, who's also an author. So yeah. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to uh, Crystal Realm. Is that what it's called? Is the store, his oh, store? It's, it was called, um, it's had so many evolutions over yeah. the years. Once was called Dolphin Dream, was called then, you know, Storm, Chaz and Devin took it over and it was called Mystic Dream. Right. And now they've called it Datura, um, Datura Trading Co. I apologize for mispronouncing. Nice, and nice. And so, yeah, they evolved their, their shop, you know, with the pandemic and everything being online and, um, you know, they're all wonderful published authors and they added these cool mystical plants to their shop too now so that's why they oh nice just going yeah trading and um, changing the name and everything so yeah I'm gonna have to check that out so anybody um we'll put a link in the bio too just to give them an extra shout out but if you're in the bay area in walnut creek really lovely town to visit very tourist friendly um check out the um was it the detura trading company yeah mm -hmm. yeah Check it out. You're, you won't be sorry. It's really wonderful. You have a good time. Yeah. I use all their products, all my witchy stuff, and they have lots of great services too. So Now, I also like to ask people, because I, I know that I, 
I know when I became a pagan, it was a big turning point for me. And I, I started identifying myself as a witch. Although many men that have different titles they use, I have always identified as a witch, very solidarity with the goddess worship. Um, when did you uh, discover you were a witch and what was the turning point for you in your life? Or did you always feel like you were, even as a child? I love this question. You know, I feel like all people that would identify as witches have felt that calling since they were young, you know, but it manifests later in life. So um, I was always kind of looking for witchcraft my whole life, but I was raised within an immigrant, you know, Polish Catholic family. And so the concept that there were even people in modern times practicing witchcraft was unknown to me. I didn't even know about things like Wicca, modern paganism or witchcraft. Right. And so I was always looking for these things. And, you know, looking back, I even got to the point where, you know, finally middle school, when we were like learning about, you know, ancient deities and I love cats. So the second I learned about Bast, you know, the ancient Egyptian cat goddess, I immediately fell in love and, you know, created my own relationship with her. But it wasn't until um, being a freshman in high school that I learned about that Wicca was a thing and I didn't end up being Wiccan but I did follow that knowledge to bring me to my modern witchcraft practice. So that was about when I found it. And, you know, it was something I felt called to my whole life. And finally you find the expression for it. And it's just all of these things open up. You feel like this thing you're waiting for your whole life is coming to reality. So, yeah. Absolutely. I think I, I could, I echo a lot of the things you're saying here too. Yeah. Now you have an Etsy business, Fire Lotus Creations. Tell us about what you sell. Yeah. So um, again, the multitasking, unable to focus on one thing at a time. So when I started working at the Mystic Dream, um, that was the metaphysical store that I was working at, talked about earlier, and um, immediately, you know, crystals, stones, obviously, I love working with herbs, you know, especially now with the cocktail practice, but I ended up doing a lot of, um, you know, stuff with energy work, and part along with that comes, you know, working with stones and their properties. And so I learned how to wire wrap very slowly over time. And so I do put together, you know, these little one of a, I, it's artistic expression. So I never make the same piece twice because it's what I'm feeling in the moment. But I'll put together different pairings of stones for energetic purposes to help people, you know, on their healing journey. Kind of helps to have, you know, if you're actively working on something to have some kind of piece of jewelry or something you can wear to help you consistently work on changing that vibration. So, yeah. I love that. And I'll put a link to uh, Fire Lotus Creations as well in the bio. Just look for that if, you're, if you want to look that up as well. Tell us about your blog, Witchcraft Cocktails. Yeah, so Witchcraft Cocktails, the blog, was something that I started kind of, you know, on a whim. When I first went into the bar industry, I immediately thought of it. But, you know, you never really entertain a lot of ideas as being realistic or possible until you start to see it. So it wasn't until I ended up landing at a bar at the time called Bar 41 in Oakland that would let me weekend specials um, and so I would do weekend specials with different astrological themes and we'd have a row reader and whatnot 
And the manager there kind of pushed me to start a blog. And I thought a blog was supposed to be super complicated, but she's like, no, you can just keep it super simple. And so I started that blog when I was working there with some different recipes I was doing, you know, weekend. And it was through that blog um, that I ended up doing a little workshop that my um, publisher eventually found me about a year later. So it's kind of cool how that happens. You know, you just put yourself out there and things together at some time. So yeah, I've had it since. I can't remember quite accurately, but I want to say 2017 was the blog or 2018. Um, and then I had saved, you know, the domain names and the accounts a bit before then. So I, th I think it was either 2017 or 2018. Tell us how you began writing and what inspired you to become a writer. You know, it's, it's funny because I mentioned earlier, you know, back in, in high school, because I was someone that struggled with, you know, reading and writing when I was younger until I found a genre that I liked, which was fantasy. And then I couldn't put books down. So I wanted to be a fantasy author for a while and did a special project in high school, you know, to look into creative writing and all those things um, as a serious way. But, you know, I always had the goal of being an author, but it was just in a totally different direction. And then, you know, college and life happens and you stop pursuing it for, you know, a while. So I had always hoped, but, um, you know, never quite in the way that it, that it came together. So yeah. Um, I didn't necessarily think I would have a book published, but I had always kind of hoped in some genre. So yeah. Tell us about your two books. Yeah, so my books, my first book, Witchcraft Cocktails. So um, that was a really fun one because I had all this stuff saved up from when I was you know, bartending um, from different special recipes I would do on the weekend specials. And so I kind of already had in my head plan what witchcraft cocktails as a book would look like. And part of that also comes from the fact that I am a professional craft cocktail bartender. So I know what a good craft cocktail book looks like, right? A lot of these, you know, magical books, at least at the time, wouldn't have like a lot of photos, would just be lists, ongoing lists and all that. And so I have the, the knowledge of the craft cocktail books where they have wonderful photos on one side and a recipe on the other and how it's organized and all that. So, um, you know, with Witchcraft Cocktails, the first one, you know, taking the ideas from the weekend specials I served, I did have some taste testers then, thankfully for that book um, and putting it together in a way that a good craft cocktail book, magical or not, would be put together. And they ended up getting um, a photographer, you know, through my publisher, which is at Media. You know, they got a great photographer to take these witchy looking photos and all of that. And I really wanted to show people with the first book, you know, to kind of lay the foundation of how you can make your own magical craft cocktails. And so you don't know if someone picking up this book is going to be a beginner in magic or advanced witchcraft practitioner, or if they're going to be a beginner craft cocktail person, or if they're going to be more advanced. And so I wanted to include kind of a wide spectrum that there's some more complicated recipes, some simpler ones, but also kind of set up the notion of, hey, you can change up any recipe in a way that works better for your flavor preference, because everyone has a taste palette as unique as their magical practice, right? Um, but also, you know, to make things work for your flavor, for your magic, if you're like, oh, recipe sounds good, but I want to make a little more purification based 
you know, you could switch out, you know, the bourbon for gin possibly. I can't guarantee that would taste good all the time, but it can. So I really wanted to set up the first in a way that was approachable for all levels of craft cocktail and witchcraft practices, but also inspire people to do their own recipes. And then the second book, um, you know, after I got the um, book deal and everything, I was like, oh, people are actually interested in this concept. So I got active again on my blog and started focusing on recipes for each moon. And that eventually evolved into the second book, Moon Magic Mixology, where there's recipes for the variety of moons. I like to work with the moon for a point of personal growth and transformation based off of what astrological sign the moon is in. So I tried to pack in a lot of information in one place, what ingredients are associated with each moon and sign, you know, um, the meanings of the various moons, the meanings of the moon and various signs and all that. And then recipes too, people can always change for themselves as well, but to show people the way, I mean, the moon, right, has a, pull on the tides it affects liquid so um and there's actually on that point that the moon is somewhat responsible for evolution because it pulled the tides that created evolution to start so um you know having these liquid libations is like the perfect way to celebrate the moon and then there's corresponding um rituals as there was with the first book and crystals with whatnot with each drink to help bring it you know the magical practice and the liquid libation offering together into a wholesome ritual, if you like. Tell us about some of your favorite drinks from the two books that you wrote. Favorite drinks from the first two books. It's going to be hard <laughs> because there's a lot of drinks and they, and they serve different purposes. But you know what? We are at the time of Yule. So I'm very Yule and winter solstice focused right now. And I have to say the awakening Yule mule it's freaking delicious. It's got this nice bergamot rosemary syrup, fresh pomegranate rosemary, other things in there. So that would be one that I would definitely go to this time of year. Absolutely delicious. Um, and there's a lot of other ones in there. Let me for a moment. I don't have my book in front of me, but um, what are that's that's one that I've really been focused on this time of year. Um, there's a nice dark and stormy recipe in there. Um, money making dark and stormy <laughs> with the Capricorn moon coming up. So that's a good time to use that one as a nice ginger liqueur. And then from the second book, um, oh, oh, Persephone's Descent from the first book too. That's a really popular one pomegranate base too great for this time of year even has um the reaper which is a mulled wine recipe and mulled wine dates back to ancient rome so that was one that i did for the um Samhain and things like that and there's also like the witch's cauldron which is themed off of um a scorpion bowl but a little different obviously different ingredients and so you know if you want to try and put 151 rum in there and set it on fire do that for your own safety <laughs> But the idea was, you know, you put that in like a little cauldron bowl. It's got um, ingredients for blessings and things like that. And you can put some dry ice and have it like a bubbling cauldron. Um, so those are some of the more delicious ones or the favorite ones that I think, you know, you can use, especially the Persephone's Descent. I love working with that energy, you know, going into the dark side, especially with winter, you know, um, and investigating the shadow self. And it's just such a luscious delicious drink. For the second book, 
um, some of my more favorite ones. I have another mulled wine recipe, but it's actually a white mulled wine. So it's using white wine instead of red wine. And I love that one because it's associated with the waning moon. And so it has all of these different ingredients involved. Um, it actually has to do with the gibbous waning moon. And so there's ingredients for celebration, celebrating gratitude and abundance to help bring in, but also being this place of thankfulness to receive, um, as well as, what was the other one that was just on my mind? Oh, it's always hard to think of things on the spot. You know, there's 70 recipes in each book. Oh, there's a great, oh, oh, my favorite recipe from the second book is a violet liqueur. Um, I love violet liqueurs and it's great for, you know, working with that more peaceful, calming, hopeful energy and also for transformation. And so there is a violet liqueur recipe in there that I think surpasses most of the violet liqueurs I would buy at the shop. So <laughs> that is my favorite recipe. And then there's like fun stuff in there, like the butterfly pea flower, which changes color upon contact with acid. And so it's great for more of the feminine energy of the moon and also transformation. So there's some color changing concoctions. Um, I tried to put some of my Polish roots in there poppy seed milk recipe, but of course I'm witchy and added, you know, herbs, lavender and things um, and all of that. So those would probably be my top go-tos. Now, in addition to being a bartender and an author, um, you're also a vocalist for bands and perform uh, as a singer. Can you tell us about that a little bit? Yes. <laughs> being a vocalist. Um, so, you know, I grew up with my mother, uh, um, she actually pursued music in, in college, but like most people, you know, at the time where the internet wasn't so abundant, um, didn't end up pursuing a career in music because it was really hard to, she loved opera and it was hard to get her name out there. And so I grew up listening to my mom, you know, in church with her beautiful voice. And it really inspired me to want to do singing. And so, you know, later on in life, um, I joined a little band um, where we would cover, you know, rock music. Um, so things like ACDC, Heartbreaker by Pat Benatar. We do some Led Zeppelin, like um, Immigrant Song, What Is and What Should Never Be, things like that. So a lot of those, um, I'm Blondie, you know, of course, One Way or Another, Black Sabbath, I could go on. Anyway, I love, my favorite type of music is, you know, rock and metal music. So you know, I joined a little dad band, as it's called, because essentially everyone in there is dad. <laughs> I would think that goes with the Bay Area a bit too, but anyway. Um, and so we were just a smaller, like we did a few, you know, different events. We didn't really do a lot, you know, because the pandemic had happened. Um, and I ended up moving to Arizona. So <laughs> went a little bit of a different direction and I'll get back into singing, but it was definitely a lot of fun. Um, to do that and those classics are just great so yeah now in addition to your um, writing and uh, your work you also have a degree in anthropology why did you decide to go into that field uh, of study yes so originally um, in college i pursued creative writing english as a degree because i wanted to be an author and i had mentored with you know some story editors and um, you know, some professional writers and whatnot, but I ended up deciding that I don't need an English degree to become an author. And beyond that, if I got an English degree, I'd be pushed into the 
the side of being a teacher, which I didn't really want to be at the time. So um, at least in English. So I decided to, um, there was a, a class at DVC at the community college called Magic, Witchcraft and Religion. <laughs> and of course, being interested in witchcraft, I took that class and um, discovered a love for anthropology. Um, I love anthropology, especially being a witch because on one hand, it helps modern anthropology should clarify, you know, helps us to understand where different practices come from and how to respect different practices. Um, but also anthropology kind of, to me, teaches us how limitless we are as humans because through cultural anthropology, physical anthropology, all those things, you actually learn the, the deep ways that humans have evolved and how they're different ideas about social norms have evolved and how those things are really cultural creations and not actual facts. And so I found anthropology to be really liberating as to who I could and couldn't be on a person based off of how it was perceived. And so I just loved it. Um, and, you know, respect for different beliefs from around the world and understanding that. And so I changed to a BA in anthropology and a double minor in English literature and public policy. And of course, I have so far done nothing with those degrees. <laughs> what authors inspired you as a witch? Who was your big inspirations and who did you read uh, in your studies uh, developing your craft? Oh, yes. Well, so paganism and uh, magic, of course, the people who basically, you know, raised me in the magical world would be, you know, Storm, Chaz, and Devin. So I learned a lot from working from them and then their books. But also, um, Sandra Kynes is a big person whose work I read. She does a lot of work on magical herbalism. Um, and so I've read a lot of her stuff. Um, Dorothy Morrison is a big one. Dorothy Morrison was one of the first people that I picked up a book from, you know, back when I was in high school, early high school. She was, you know, the predominant author at the time. And so I picked up some of her books. Um, you know, she has great, yeah, she has great moon magic books, you know, everyday magic, sun magic. And I think what I really liked about her was her magic was so approachable, you know, everyday things you have around you and, you know, taking things like the different phases and the signs the moon are and how can you incorporate that into ritual. So she's a big, you know, influence and inspiration as well with my stuff. Um, and then, oh yes, a more modern one. Ooh, I'm trying to remember her name. I have to, I have to look her up. Um, she wrote Moonology. Um, Yasmin Boland. So she focuses more on astrology and I don't follow her stuff to a T, but I also like the different rituals she does for working with the moons and whether or not you use them to work with the moons. It just kind of helps you tune into how to um, align, you know, your rituals in a way of releasing and intention setting. And also, of course, a big one that I got crystal healing certified in would be hibiscus moon. Um, she has a background in science, and so I love, you know, working with her stuff and her teachings. So she's another, you know, a big one that I, I connect with as far as working with, with crystals and understanding the science of vibration and all that. Now, you said that um, if somebody came to you, you like to um, make drinks for people uh, based on what they like. So I really like jo a good vodka martini or gin and tonic. I also like scotch and bitters and uh, 
things with cassis in them, anything with black currant, uh, what would you make for me? Okay. Let's see, vodka, martinis, and a gin and tonic and bitters. Well, you have to tell me, so the first thing I'd ask is what kind of flavors do you like, right? So that's a big part of it. Orange, okay, that's great. Wonderful. Do you mean creme de cassis? Do you, do you like red currant? Oh my God. <laughs> I have to tell you, red currant liqueur is one of my favorite things to work with, especially because my family's from Poland. And so you can go to the store in Poland and just buy red currant juice. Um, and not a lot of people know what work with that. Um, so red currant is one of my favorite liqueurs to work with. And you mentioned gin. So easily right away, we're going to use triple sec, we're going to use gin, we're going to um, probably choose some kind of syrup, maybe honey syrup, muddle rosemary, we can choose some bitters, you know, depending on how the cocktail turns out, I might want to add ingo or angostura to, because it has a lot of flavors that can help balance, but we can also change it up. And so I'd muddle the bitters with rosemary and the syrup. Then adding gin. I'm probably feeling lemon in this case, a little bit of triple sec or orange liqueur, um, and then creme de cassis. Uh, that would just be a phenomenal drink. I know I am already tasting it. I have all the ingredients right now, so I'm probably going to make it after we get off. I want to thank Julia Helena Hadas for being on the show to talk about her books, um, Moon Magic Mixology and Witchcraft Cocktails, and also for her continual patience on recording this episode. Uh, we had to record it several times because of technical difficulties. So, Julia, thank you very much for your patience. Please tune in next week. Uh, Julia actually will be back with us next week. Um, we're going to have a couple of um, events coming up next week um, that are kind of special to me. Uh, the first one is going to be our Winter Solstice author panel. We're going to have uh, Julia is going to come back with also Laurel Woodward, who we've had on the show previously, J.D. Walker, who's also been on the show, and additionally, Lasana Wallace, who's been on the show as well. So all uh, four of those authors are going to come back and talk with us about the Winter Solstice. Um, it's a wonderful episode. I think you're going to really love it. I really enjoyed it, and so much so that we uh, talked about doing another one for summer solstice as well. So please be here next week for the on Tuesday, the solstice for our summer solstice episode. And then coming up after that, we're going to have a Christmas episode for the uh, members, my fellow alumni with One Table, One World. We're going to have um, some authors who've been on here before who are my fellow compatriots for One Table, One World. We're going to have writer Terry Barr, who is my first guest, going to be on here. And he's going to talk about his work and what he's been doing in the past year. Um, also, previous guest, Melissa Matthews, um, she's going to be on here as well. And Catherine Dillon, who's going to be on uh, the show. That's going to be really wonderful. Really enjoyed recording that with them. And I can't wait to have you hear that one as well. So hope you all have happy holidays. And I hope that you can come back and listen to our group panels next week. Then we're going to take a little bit of a break and we're going to come back in January and we're going to have a wonderful um, season of, of um, episodes I've already recorded. We have many guests, so many that I have basically January full already, and I can't wait to have you come back and listen to that as well. It's going to be a great start to what will be season five 
very happy to say. So I can't wait to begin that with you as well. Again, great guests. So until then, come back next week and listen to our group podcasts. And um, until then, have happy holidays to you. And again, as always, happy cooking. <laughs>